Variety, it's time to create your next YouTube video. But where do you start? How do you generate your idea? How much research do you actually do, if any? Is the equipment ready or do you set up from scratch every single time? Well, on today's episode of Cheap Talk, we're going to unpack the best YouTube processes so you can get your creative thinking and get that next video up and running ASAP. Okay, let's do this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ where every day I help creators big and small level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. So on today's episode of Tube Talk, I have once again got the vidIQ crew together and we're going to unpack processes. You know, we all understand YouTube process. You hit the upload button, you put a thumbnail, you put a title, you put a description and some tags, and then you make the video live and hopefully it all goes well. But YouTube doesn't start there. Our YouTube process starts way beforehand. So that is what we're unpacking today. And today we have YouTube resident creator, the one and only, you know him, you love him, Mr. Rob Wilson. Hello, Mr. Rob. Hello, everybody. Thank you for loving me as always. <laughs> uh, and thank you, everybody who's either watching or listening to this. Looking forward to another uh, good YouTube discussion that I think everyone will benef benefit from. Well, benefit, it's what it's all about. And joining us on the stream is that we have our channel auditor, master extraordinaire, Mr. Jeff. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Glad to be back on the stream with you guys. Always a pleasure having you. All right. So, people, today it's something we've been asked time and time and time again, and it's all about what is the YouTube process. Now, I don't mean about uploading and which file do you drag where. People want to know the basics, right? Let's start way back when. How do we come up with an idea? How do we take that idea and transform that into a video? How do we then upload it and optimize it? That is what people are interested in. So I figured today, why don't we each share our process? Because I think the big thing is, is about that initial spark, getting that idea and then wondering, well, how do I take this idea and generate it? How do I get a good idea? How do I find what my next video is? So lots of those kind of questions. I'm going to start with Jeff this time. Sorry, Rob. He gets first light in the limelight. First of all, tell us you are a YouTube creator yourself. You have your own channel. So let's kind of put people on the same page. Tell us about your channel and what do you do on your channel? Uh, so my channel started off, It's it's technically it's a tech channel. Um, I mostly dive into doing headphones and earbuds and things of that nature, so audio products. Uh, mostly doing reviews. Rarely I'll do an unboxing here and there, but it's mostly about testing out the actual product and giving people the value of an experienced opinion. Okay, so it's tech-related um, content. Mm -hmm. It's you on camera. Um, Rob Wilson, you have a YouTube channel as well. It's called vidIQ, I believe. That um, is correct, yes. What, what, so what do you do on the vidIQ channel? So our uh, value proposition is essentially to educate YouTube creators on their on their journey to be a successful video creator, whether they're starting from scratch, zero subscribers, zero views, 
or whether they're a little more seasoned, they're looking towards monetization. We're trying to guide them through that journey. And because I've been through that process myself, I kind of feel as if I uh, can relate to people's specific struggles and questions that they may be uh, asking as they try to get the answers to grow their YouTube channel. Okay, so now we know what everybody does. And for those who don't know, on my own personal channel, I also have a technology channel. I focus mainly to do with Wi-Fi, internet speed, routers, getting getting that kind of equipment occasionally, occasionally some phone stuff and some other cool gadget, which I think everybody needs to know about. So we all have different little areas of expertise. We're all coming in from a different from a different place, um, even though Jeff and I also technically have a tech channel. And just a secret here, Rob's original channel was a technology channel. That is true. That, that is very true. true. Most be- fun fact, most people don't know that. So we all have that, that, that background, but yet you'll see today how we're all approaching YouTube slightly differently. And I suppose that's what YouTube is all about. The one thing you might have picked up from our conversation is that everyone is very specific. Jeff doesn't do fashion and lipstick and technology and earbuds and cooking. He just does his area. I do my area. Rob can. Rob does hair products on, on the VidIQ channel, obviously, um, as well. Yeah, he's looking around weirdly. So Rob does his st- Everyone, we all stick within our niche, and that's the important bit. But now, gentlemen, we all have our niche, but we're all sitting in front of our computer wondering, okay, What's my next video? So I suppose let's start at the idea generation phase. Rob, I'm going to start with you this time. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with an idea for your next video? What's your process? So let me stress, first of all, that this is how I do things now after being a content creator for almost a decade and being a YouTube educational person for three to five years at this point. It's less now, I must confess, about actually specific keyword research because I feel as if I have a good, solid understanding of the types of things that people are searching for on YouTube when it comes to growing their channels. So for me, and I'm going to stress this again, for me specifically, there is a certain element of instinct because I'm so wrapped up in this topic. When I see a news story or I see another video, in my mind, I can more or less compute in like five to 10 seconds whether or not I think that's actually worthy of a video. And I've probably got a rough video title in my head after a couple of minutes. I know for a lot of people, that's not the (laughs) usual way that they would create content, that they're doing a lot more research. I mean, Liron, you often say in your uh, weekly webinars that before you press record, you want to get all of the ingredients to create a, a magnificent recipe. And I think I probably do that subconsciously. Yep. Um, but now it's all it's like tied up in this one or two hours of research. Now I can do it in a matter of seconds or minutes. And that I must admit, that's sort of like an innate gift or talent that's been built through experience. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's how I do things. Now, obviously, I'm still going to be doing some searches on YouTube to see if there are any creators already doing that video, those types of videos, looking at their metadata. But it, I almost feel as if I sometimes describe my idea generation is a little reverse engineered. I have the idea. I'm a doer. I want to create the content. And then I think a little bit more about the metadata. But by all means, and I welcome opposing ideas on this, which I think is where I'm going to throw it to Jeff with a probably more sensible approach to idea um, creation and content making. Yeah. 
It's a, it's a little bit different because, you know, obviously we're at different um, stages as far as the uh, YouTube career is concerned. So at least for me, uh, I've been leaning a little heavier into our own tools. So where I've set up competitors or channels that are within my niche that are successful, more successful than my own channel. And I'll lean into what they're doing. I'll check out my competitors tab to see which topics of theirs right now are getting higher views per hour. And then I'll start doing my actual search and a little bit of research to see which topics, like if it's a if it's a product that's trending, like something that may have just come out or something that is about to be released even, um, to see where that kind of search traffic is. Because if there's already a wave of traffic th moving through YouTube, I, I would rather jump on that than try to create my own wave in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of where it'll start. And then I'll start coming up with um, my titling and seeing which way I'm going to do. Even before I turn on the camera, um, I want to make sure that I have that title ready so that I know exactly uh, what kind of energy I'm going to bring to that video. You know, if it's something that I'm positive about or something that I'm negative about or I'm indifferent, I want to know what my opinion is up front before I even turn that camera on. Um, but that's usually right where I'll start. I'll be looking at competitors, looking at what the trending topics are that they're doing and what's working for them in our niche. And that's where I'll begin. I think I've used this term before, Jeff, when I say this is kind of almost like passive collaboration. Mm -hmm. You're following what your competitors are doing. You're not necessarily directly working with them, but as a collective group, you're all working on this topic to make it, I guess, more popular on YouTube for an audience to uh, connect with. Um, now, what about you, Liron? Yeah, the process, I suppose, becomes very, very different for different people. And I think at different sizes, you do have a different approach. And a lot of it has to boil down to strategy. Are you going after search traffic or are you going around browse traffic? And I, for me, as a smaller creator, when I was building up my channel and trying to get that momentum, it was all about search. So I understand the tech world. I understand what's going to be a good or a bad, um, something I should focus on. But I need to find that angle. And I think, Jeff, you always say, look for that unique angle. What's going to make this video your own? What's going to make it pop? So I started the search bar. I first got to do some research. Who else is talking about this product? Who else is talking about um, this topic that's popular? Maybe something that's trending on hashtag, which is a good little tip, finding the, the trending stuff that's going on on um, YouTube, uh, sorry, on Twitter, on um, Instagram. So those are the topics that people are actively searching for. So if you want to get those initial views, that's a great, great place to start. And then you got to make it your own. So I start there and then I kind of try to work out what am I going to bring to the party? Why am I not going to make yet another video like a gazillion other people have actually started to make? So that's where I used to start. As my channel grew bigger, well, then my strategy changed. I was no longer going after the search traffic. I was then going after browse traffic. And then it's all about getting those headlines, getting that thumbnail, the Leon, joy of love. I, I do want to ask you a, a sort of a bit of a follow-up question about this in terms of, let's just jump to the very end of a process for a second. Yes. In terms of you've done, you've uh, had all of these ideas, you've created the content. And I think for you specifically, you had to do a lot of the hard yards in the tech area before YouTube started to give you some feedback mm. about um, what, a particular audience is really liking on your content, which ended up being how to get faster Wi-Fi. So once that happened, how yeah. did your, I guess, your approach change from being like a, a holistic tech um, right. creator to something a bit more um, laser beam focused on something? 
Yeah, it's the whole niche within a niche. So I thought I was niche. I was doing technology. I mean, come on, that's that's not everything. That's just tech. But it turns out that that was still way too broad. So when YouTube picked up a video, which, by the way, I always like to say, it's four was four months old when YouTube picked it up. So I launched a video, thought nothing of it. It did what it was going to do, and I simply moved on to the next video. And then YouTube picked it up. So evergreen content, the power of evergreen content is the fact that, that at any moment in time, YouTube could show it some love. So YouTube picked it up. I recognized that YouTube picked it up. And then I decided, you know what? People are liking this topic. What happens if I make another video on that same topic? What goes on? What will YouTube do with that? And it's almost as if that first topic kind of separated the waves, made it easier for that second video on the same topic to follow suit and both videos started taking off then i thought hold on should we do a third and i did and i made a third video and again always different angles never repeating the same stuff so there's always value for both subscribers and non-subscribers but i was starting to niche within my niche it wasn't just technology it was all about faster routers faster wi-fi mistakes people are making or uh, how to get faster on your PlayStation, you know, things that people were actively searching for, but within that genre. And that actually did that trick. Did I answer your question, Rob? Yeah, I, I think what's interesting there is that, like, once you find a uh, specific um, title that's really working well, like how to get mm. faster Wi-Fi, you, you uh, on the surface level, you think, like, oh, that's, that's it. I, I've told people how to get faster Wi-Fi. Yes. But it's all of those ideas and little questions within that um, ceiling topic is where you can really drill down and become that authority on a, a particular topic. And I feel as if me personally, if you are very knowledgeable and passionate about a particular topic, you should always be able to generate ideas uh, based on it um, through the comments that are coming through on sure. the existing videos. And just through, like again, you building up experience about what type of questions are generally asked about on a particular topic on YouTube? And how can I um, answer that question and then answer maybe a slightly very uh, different question on the same topic? Uh, and I kind of like balloons into to more and more um, more and more questions being answered. And I, 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 we are focusing on the search intent here as well. So uh, go ahead. No, absolutely. No, it, it's it, no, people are saying, and, it, and it's, I'm glad you brought it up because it's a clear mistake that we all make or we make that one video and then we say, oh, well, people have seen that, so I'm done. Like, and then we, we try to move on to something completely different. It's like if I would say to, to you, Rob, you're going to make a video on the vidIQ channel, well, just make one video, how to get more subscribers and more views, and then you're done. But we don't need more videos on the channel. Well, it doesn't work like that because a topic should have multiple topics and that, that surround it. The test and the homework I always give people that I consult with and channels that we help grow is I say to someone, I need you to write 10 titles now. Mm, if you yep. cannot write 10 titles about the topic that you're speaking about, either you're just not so passionate about it or maybe it's the wrong topic for you. You need to be able to get that information out of your head. Oh, I can easily speak about da 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 da, -da and spew those out because because when you can do that, it means you're going to connect with your audience. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to throw the same question to you. 
was there a video on your channel that maybe gave you that that takeoff or was it lots of little stuff what was what has been your journey like with your process well yeah i mean i've had um i think one specific instance that came to mind was in uh, 2019 where i it was where i was basically going to invest multiple videos on a topic because i knew that there was a lot of traffic for it and i was able to get early access to the product so i was like okay so first i'm gonna drop a video within within 12 hours of receiving this as fast as possible to sort of basically say here's a first look at it here's my first impressions but in the video i also said you know, uh, but I want you to ask me your questions that you want to know about this product. And this way, when I do my follow up review, I can answer all of your specific questions. That first video took off. It did pretty good. I was like, okay, it's doing pretty well. When I dropped that second video and then the third video, those two, the second and third videos just absolutely blew up. And I ended up doing a fourth video, which didn't do as well. But the second and third videos, um, I believe it's the, the third video ended up being um, now it's the most viewed video on my channel. And that's something that I kind of taught me that now when I see a topic that I think is going to do well, and I have a good feel for it now, um, I'm willing to invest multiple videos on that. So exactly what you said, where you have to be able to write multiple titles on this thing. Um, as soon as I have the idea, like I know which product I'm going to talk about, um, I immediately come up with a minimum of five or six video topics on that particular one. And I'm willing to invest multiple videos into that topic, which I just did recently. I did three or four videos on a particular product um, a couple of weeks back. So uh, when I see that it's going to, you know, something's going to do well, I'll prepare myself and create almost like a video bucket so that I can make multiple videos on that content. But you have to be willing to invest not only the time, but also multiple uploads to mm. really become the authority on that particular keyword or topic. But uh, is very quickly, just to, to say that, um, uh, Jeff, you mentioned there, uh, feel mm. so that idea again of gut instinct and it just it, that just slowly evolves and builds in a creator when you immerse yourself in a topic go ahead Liram. yeah i, I was literally gonna say that, that oh sorry that, sorry that, for stealing that, your <laughs> that both of you said the same thing you just know you have a feel you have a, a an idea of what is going to do well but also what you're passionate about what you can easily speak about and what your audience wants so i think Let's bring the conversation slightly to the audience. Mm -hmm. How important is it for a creator to really understand not just the video creation process, but the audience that they are catering to? What is the audience journey like on your individual channels? So who wants to pick that one up first? I will go for that. <laughs> um, Hold back the enthusiasm. So, so we, are, we are talking about, um, I think Oliver's just naturally still talking about how our disc videos are first discovered, which is, tends to be search. Uh, and we continue to gravitate towards that because what we talk about is usually something that people are wanting to get an answer to, whether it's a purchasing decision or an educational question. Mm. Uh, so that's how you get discovered. But then it's up to you once somebody's clicked on that thumbnail or title, which are also important. It's up to you to somehow inject a unique uh, selling point to your video, like whether it's for your the, your personality, the way you edit it, or the style and quality of the videos, that's where you can bring in who you are as a creator. And then, if you want to drop some humor in there or some personal stories, that's what that's what makes you sticky content. People come for the answer to a question, but they stick around because they enjoy your company. Mm. Uh, you build a relationship. 
then the viewer trusts you. And at that point, that's when they're going to be clicking subscribe or they're joining your uh, live streams like the people who are today, which we're very thankful of because I guess you invest a certain amount of trust in us and you know that you're going to get some value out of this um, discussion. Yeah, for sure. 100%. I know for me, it's a little different because, uh, well, I don't know how, I don't know how Rob does, how he manages comments, but um, my channel is very community based. So I still respond to every single comment. I still answer a lot of questions and um, I will still make videos for, for my viewers. The beauty of it is, is a lot of them have their finger on the pulse a lot better than even I do. So they will bring me ideas. They will bring me products that I haven't heard about. Um, some of them are, are on the ground um, overseas. So where things are coming out months before they'll reach the States, they'll let me know, hey, this just came out. You know, do you want me to send it over? So things of that nature where, where I'll be able to lean on my audience to actually um, help me out. And then I'll make videos that they're looking for, whether it's comparisons, whether it's a particular product that's not well known. Um, so I think it's important to, to at least build up a rapport with your audience, speak to them directly and, um, because they can help you out a lot, not only with topic generation, but also when you're, when you make a video that you specifically are making for them, they recognize it and they do show up. I, I like that idea. And just as another pro little tip here, as far as using the audience and the community is concerned, usually people make other channels are going to make videos about the same topic. So something that is a good little practice to get into, go look at other channels who've made content on the same topic and go through those comments and go through, see what people are asking. They may be saying, great video, but you never told us about one, two, three, four, or I really would have liked more information on four, five, six. And if you're getting lots of those kind of, um, those kind of comments happening on somebody else's video, well, Imagine you were the one who were telling them about one, two, three, four, five, and six. Then all of a sudden, there's a reason for that community to come over to you. Do not go and spam those comments because creators hate that and they will block those. But as long as you're adding value to that conversation, when you eventually release your video, well, you've just earned trust. And because you're answering the question that they're naturally asking, all that translates into lovely views and then obviously lovely subscribers. Jeff, you've even mentioned it in your first video. You said, "Hey guys, what do you want me to what do you want me to do in my next video?" Mm -hmm. And you solicit comments and suggestion from the audience. I love that. I mean, on the VidIQ channel, Rob, you use community the community tab quite a lot to try get feedback from our community. Are you finding that people are responding to that? Yeah, and that has uh, taken a long time to cultivate and develop, uh, actually, especially the community tab. Um, we've been using it for two or three years now. Um, to begin with, we might get like, maybe 10, 15 comments, but now it's at a point where we're getting hundreds of comments. Or, mm. um, we can actually really effectively use our voting polls in the community tab to survey our audience because we get sometimes tens of thousands of answers, um, well, votes. And... You know, if you're getting tens of thousands of answers, votes on something, that can help drive what the audience wants to watch. Uh, absolutely. But it but it takes time as well. It takes time, yeah. It does take time. Um, and we've been live streaming now for two and a half years uh, as well. Uh, and, and it's taken time to build up this audience and for the wonderful people who are actually sending us super chats right now. Like, let's be frank. Thank you for the $25 there. And I actually want to pick up on that comment. He was talking about analyzing the audience, which is something we kind of um, mentioned on the audience journey. So the one thing that I always preach 
time and time again with the creators that I work with is you really need to know your audience. The mistake that a lot of people make is that they say, well, I'm making it for a technology audience. Or, you know, in VidIQ's case, I'm making it for people, for YouTubers. That's way too broad. You need to get super, super specific. Go look at your analytics, look at your demographics, look at that information that's going to gleam all that valuable content so that you know exactly who you're making it for. Um, I, I have an avatar. I have, he has a name. He has an age group. I know that he's married. I know like he's got disposable income. I know the kind of content he wants to see on my channel. And when I make a video, that's my filter. Will this guy, will my avatar, his name's Alex. I don't know why I keep saying that. Will Alex watch my video? That's the only question I have. And in fact, I've got it written up here on my wall. Will Alex watch this video? Because if I make it for Alex, I'm making it for a specific group of people. And that is how you win. When you try to be all things to all people all of the time, just way too broad. Uh, guys, do you do you have an Alex? Do you have an idea in mind when you're making your videos? Um, I would say um, four out of five times I'm maybe talking to Alex, but then uh, the other video might be to Barry or Sheila, who's like maybe um, Alex's friend. <laughs> or like, I mean, this is getting really convoluted. Now, but, you know, you are, I think you also want to be aware of potential new audiences that sure. you are going to reach. Uh, like some people talk about the theory of one video for me, one video for myself. I tend to feel as if the majority of your time you should be serving your audience, but uh, you found that audience to begin with by testing. So never forget that you want to be testing, not all of the time, but occasionally for a new audience as well. Yeah, no, 100%. And I totally agree. I think that's something that um, we have to sort of manage that expectation for people. There are a lot of creators on YouTube that are very creative in that sense, where they're making essentially art. So for them, obviously, this is going to be about what they're doing. But for a lot of the rest of us, um, once once I really figured out that I'm here for the viewer and I'm putting the viewer first and what mm. value I'm bringing for them and how I can help them make a better, more informed purchase decision. Once I had that mindset shift and realized that it's literally every single video now that I've made for the past you know two and a half years is about the person on the other side of the camera. So it's it's about bringing them specific value. And now once I know that, I know exactly who to make this video for and. I'm trying to make it sort of agnostic as possible to where it not only will appeal to my core audience because I know what they like, but it'll also appeal to somebody who's brand new coming in. Yes. Yeah. It's like an enthusiast or an entry level enthusiast, if you will. Uh, and again, I think you do have to try. I mean, you do have to experiment. So I, I do believe that you do have to step out of your comfort zone every once in a while. If you don't, how are you going to know where you know where the boundaries are? What when do you overstep? I mean, as Jeff, as you said, you made a bunch of videos about one topic, but the fourth one didn't do as well as the first three. Now you know your audience capability is three on a specific topic. But if you didn't make that fourth one, maybe you wouldn't have that information. So I like the idea of understanding the audience and experimenting every once in a while. Don't go super off off radar. <laughs> stick stick within what you're doing, but it is nothing wrong with experimenting. Um, if we take it back a slightly different direction, and I mean, I've got gear here. Everybody here, there has got your gear. How we've had an entire episode just talking about gear. So if you guys, you guys missed any of that, go and check it out. 
Um, we sp spent some time with Sydney Dianzen, and we spoke about the type of gear and the equipment that you need. But the one thing I want to address in this one, since we're talking about processes and procedure, and I'd like to hear from both of you, is your equipment already set up and you're ready to go in a moment's notice? Or do you have to unbox everything, set everything up on a tripod? What's your process when it comes to that? Go on, Jeff. I'll let you uh, tackle this one first. So mine's going to be changing here pretty soon. But right now, sadly, I do have to set up everything every single time. So it leads to some inconsistency in video quality, um, which is something that I'm not very happy about. But yeah, so essentially it's like I, uh, because where I shoot, it's, you know, it's my apartment. So I either do it in the living room or I do it in my bedroom. So I have to, you know, set up the camera, set up the lights and then uh, kind of get ready, sit down for the whole process. By the time I'm ready to actually turn, you know, hit record, I'm almost 45 minutes into this process. So, and then once I'm done, I have to start breaking everything down. So it just stretches everything much further, makes it a bit more stressful. Um, but thankfully, um, I'm actually in the process of moving. So um, I'm going to actually have a dedicated studio. So everything will be set up and ready to go. So I could just come in. I'm going to hit two switches and be ready to go. So. Uh, Rob, before you jump in there, yeah. Jeff, how important was having a dedicated space for you when you look at your next move? Oh, that's actually the whole reason we're moving. <laughs> that's 100% the reason we're moving because it's, it's essentially like it's such an important thing to where it can hurt your creativity because sometimes I'll get frustrated trying to get the settings right, trying to get the lighting right to where it takes me out of my, my mood, out of my space to feel mm. creative that by the time I start recording, I'm, I'm already so like out I'm of, done. Yeah, the, my, I'm done. My, yeah, my energy is so off. I'm so tired. And not only that. Um, having very small windows to record in where, um, where my family's asleep, where there's not much noise going on, uh, where I can have a, a, the whole room to myself, things of that nature to where now that's not going to be a problem. Whenever I feel creative, I can go in the room, shut the door, turn the camera on and make it happen. I can just imagine, because uh, I am I think I'm going to go through this in maybe a year or two, where Jeff was having a huge argument with the family about who gets a master bedroom because it has the biggest square footage um uh, so we can do all of his recordings uh, like i i lost the battle so i'm in the second bedroom now which isn't quite <laughs> as big, big but i do have my own recording space which is is valuable yeah. and i think what i would recommend people to do even if they can't have things set up all of the time is when you're ready to make a video be ready to make the video don't wait yeah. until you have an idea and then say right now i need to get set up everything up because once you have that spark of inspiration to create the content you just want to be able to press record so when you have like a backdrop set up you know where the lighting's going to be your memory cards are in place the camera's all set up uh it's, it's a bit like when i recommend people make a youtube video and just upload it with no expectations of actually having an audience watch it you just want to go through the experience of knowing how some where the thumbnail goes and like what happens when you press publish it's the same for the recording experience have as fewer variables yes. or uncontrollables as possible you know that the microphone's working yep. and you know what it should be set to you know what your aperture or like you know the lights need to be set up everything's charged so on and so forth that's in a controlled environment obviously if you're a vlogger then it's a little bit different and mm. you have to somewhat accept and embrace a chaos that whatever happens during your storytelling, you make that part of the video. Uh, and then you, you, you make it a more refined uh, story in the editing process that I think, you know, the, the software yeah. editor is going to be your friend when you're more of a vlogger. 
but yeah, just being prepared as much as possible uh, for, for whatever eventualities come up. Uh, and never underestimate the power of a Sharpie. I mean, even if you have to break everything down and put it back up again, if you know, if you take a little marker and you mark on your tripod where the setting, where, where it's supposed to be pointing, if you put a mark on the floor with some, I don't know, duct tape or gaffer tape, whatever you guys call it, um, so you know where to put it up, the less variables that you have, the easier it is to get to get going. So yes, whilst we all would love to have a studio that you walk in, push a button, sounds like Jeff is building one, but when you walk in and you push a button and everything just magically happens, if you're not in that position, well, make it as simple for yourself as humanly possible by pre-marking. The less you got to think, the easier it is just to get in and just do it. There is nothing more frustrating than having this great idea then realize, hold on, I need a top head shot, but I don't have a camera set up. Or I need to do this, but there's too much noise. Or I need to do this, but there's not enough light. Then you might as well just forget it. It's just too frustrating. The less you got to think and you can just get in and actually get creative, the the more the better you're going to feel about your video making process. Yeah, this is uh, this is also why I stress for creators who are just starting out to keep it simple and use their cell phones and not dive into dslr but grow with your channel yes. um like because it's an investment for a lot of people you know buying a dslr buying a mirrorless um can be a massive investment so start with what you have to learn the fundamentals and to build those habits of getting in front of the camera of editing the video of uploading of making thumbnails of doing the research um to build that 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 repertoire of i know how to do this because i i know i did 120 something odd videos with a cell phone before I moved over to using a, a DSLR camera because I wanted to make sure that I was, I, I didn't want to invest right. before I was sure that this was for me. Well, it's also smart, Jeff, because you might be persuaded by watching all these amazing tech YouTubers and the kind of gear that they use to go spend so much money on equipment. And it turns out you actually don't need it. Um, I, there's so many people who go on to, Twitter and they go, whoopsie, I accidentally bought these 10 items. I'm ha they haven't left the box. I don't actually need them. So I love the idea of using what you have. And if you need lights, um, go to a Walmart, go to a Home Depot store, go to your local convenience store and get yourself a lamp with a globe and start with that. And if you can see it, then build up and build up and build up. And again, if you guys are, want to understand the processes of setting up a studio or the entire procedure, we, not only do we have an entire episode just talking about that, but we've also got a whole course talking about that as well in the VidIQ Academy. So anybody can get access to that. So as we wrap up our processes, let's all go through a quick run through of how, how we do. And uh, I'll go first to give you a little bit of an idea before we go to Q&A in those live chats. So for me, it's about I need a topic. I need to know what I'm going to speak about on my channel. So my number one thing is research. I look at Google Trends. I use the vidIQ tools. I look at YouTube search. I look at who's talking about that. What are they saying? And what can I bring differently to that party? How can I bring it to my own so that my Alex, my avatar, will pick up something new that he hasn't seen in a million other places? I don't want to be a Me Too channel. I've got to bring it different. I've got to bring something unique. So I start with that. I then come up with my title. So I have ideas of what I'm going to say, three or four different titles for the one video. I then think about my thumbnail, what that's going to be like. 
Is it me making the YouTuber face? Or is it going to be a product placement? What's it going to be? And then I script it. I use a, um, I like to use bullet points. I like to use a teleprompter at times if it's more complicated. And then I get into the studio, do the editing, and then do my uploads. But that's my rigid procedure that I know everything follows. And the second that it hits upload, well, not the second, but probably an hour after I upload that video and I looked at the analytics, I then like to, as best as possible, try forget that video and focus on the next one because it's done. It's out there. I'll relook at it again. Maybe I can change a thumbnail. Maybe I can change a title. But I'm very much in the next one mode. Rinse and repeat a lot. That's my process. Uh, Jeff, take us through a quick high level of your process. So, yeah, I mean, essentially the same thing. It's just coming, you know, doing the research, finding the title. Once I have the title, um, I'll get all my notes together. I don't write a script for the videos. Um, it's mostly loose talking points just to keep myself on track. Um, you know, record the video, go ahead and, you know, do the edit, find the shots that I need, shoot all those shots that I need for B-roll, um, get the whole thing uploaded. Um, and essentially I, I upload into, um, unlisted basically, or sorry, not unlisted into private, um, get all the SEO and all that stuff squared away and wait for my window, uh, my traffic, my best time to upload window. And go ahead and release those videos at that time for the best, you know, possible uh, chance of having a successful video, essentially. And from there, um, I will move on to the next video. Uh, I come back around three hour mark, six hour mark to check on, you know, CTR, check on, you know, the things, make sure things are working okay. Um, answer comments for the first couple hours. But aside from that, I'm, I'm like you. I'm moving on to the next one and seeing kind of what's working and what isn't. And Rob. Okay, so I think there's two approaches I have to making uh, video content. Sometimes it, it really is instinctive, and it's like, I've seen something, I want to make a video on it, I'm going to do it instantly. And examples of that might be recently are all of the YouTube short stuff, where I'm just throwing myself into that topic, and I'm going to make a video. On other occasions, there are I will actually plan out something. If there's a, a topic that people always ask about on YouTube, like, how often should I upload or um, reasons why I might not monetize my channel. I actually have, um, there's a program called Asana, uh, which we use to create tasks and actually a bullet point, what I'm going to be talking about, because I may not be talk, uh, making a video about that today. It might be a couple of weeks down the line when I have some more time. So that's when I will plan out things a little bit more. We've already talked about making sure that we have uh, our filming space set up and ready to go with as fewer obstacles and variables as possible. I just saw in a chat, like, do you script your content? And the answer to that is I don't script when I'm talking to camera because I don't have an auto cue or anything like that. But if I'm doing a voiceover, I actually do write a script because I can waffle, as you've no doubt noticed sometimes on the live streams. Uh, so there's a combination of the two. And in terms of structure, I am very much in the moment. Like, I don't know. I kind of know where I'm going to start the video. But then I let this, the, the, this is, and again, this is almost like an inert um, skill that I've developed over many thousands of videos that I've made. I just trust myself where the videos are going to lead. And Liron, you sometimes ask me about how I do that. Like, how, how do you make your videos? And the answer is I just... I just make them in the moment. So I think what's really important for me is 
guarding my time. Like once I start a video, I don't want to be distracted by another task. And I love to make a video and start it all in the same, um, the same block of time. I hate yeah. starting a video on Monday and finishing it on Wednesday. I cannot stand that because I, once you, I sleep on something, that to try and pick it up the following day, I'm very much in a cold start mode and it takes ages to get back into that. But again, in the chat, share your thoughts about that. It's another one of those very personal things. And then I'm making the thumbnail and a title towards the end of the process. I know I kind of what the title is to begin with, but then I'm going to refine it based on what other video creators are doing. You know, I'll, I'll literally do a search for it and I'll see, I like that title. And I'm going to change it a little bit to fit my needs. And then I think I'm, I mirror everybody else in terms of what Jeff said and you said about publishing a video. I upload it first, give it a few hours to marinate in the YouTube um, um platform so i know that it's got the highest resolution like you know never upload a video with the intention of publishing it live within 10 minutes unless it is super time sensitive um and then post it at the best time for your audience look at the comments that type of thing and yeah i think i'm repeating pretty much what everyone else has said <laughs> at this point all right so good approaches i think the scripting versus non-scripting if um, you know that could be a bit of a contention, but again, it's about getting the information out. And I think if you're super fly by the seat of your pants kind of person, and you can do that, and your content lends itself to doing it, great. If you're talking about certain technical specs or things that need to be absolutely solid, because that's information you're giving out there, maybe bullet points are great. You know, some people love to read of a teleprompter, and they could write the script in such a way that it sounds they write it in the way that they would speak. Also great. The point is you've got to find methods that work for you. Uh, Rob, I'm like you. If I start something, I can't get into the same mood again five days later and pick it up again. If I'm going to start recording, it's got to be done today. But the editing may be done a little bit later or even the next yeah, day. Yeah. But but the recording and the, getting the content out, if I'm going to swear at my camera 300 times because I've messed up my lines, it's all going to be on one day. Um, the next day is already done. And by the way, sometimes it's okay to even walk away. I'm just not feeling it. I started it. It just, I, I, it's too frustrating. Put everything down, leave it, come back later, or come back, come back the next day. Am I able to squeeze in another quick question here? Sorry, Leroy. You can, of course. Because you just raised it like uh, you film and then you edit. Do you do that as well, Jeff? Because this is where I think I'm completely different to people in that I film a bit. Then I edit it. And then I kind of, through that process, I know where I'm going next in my video. And then I film some more. I'm just wondering how you two do it. So well, for, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 Jeff, you jump in. No, what I was going to say was for me, as far as when I film the talking head portion where I'm talking to the camera, that's all done in one shot. And once I do that all in one, one sitting, um, I'll edit that whole portion. And with that edit, that's where I can determine which exact product shots, B-roll shots, action shots, whatever I'm going to need. Um, I'll write all of those down with timestamps. So I know exactly once I get all of those shots, like I have a checklist of all the shots that I need, um, get all of those shots. And I can do that the next day, the day after that, you know, it's, it's all good. But that, right. that one initial sitting where I do the whole talking portion, I do have to do that all in one shot because right. uh, I have to be in the same mood. I have to feel the same type of energy for it. Yeah. Uh, when I've done it in different locations, I did a video where I did it in four locations and the energy was all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, it's unlike you, Rob, some of us have a job and the job isn't making videos. So there, 
we got to kind of balance up your time with what you can do, how much, you know, family time, personal time, all of that. If I can shoot a video and edit the same day, then I do that because that's always ideal because you're in the zone, you're in the mood, you know exactly how to do it. Um, and as Jeff says, yes, put some B-roll, you've made your shot list, you're going to get your B-rolls and put that over, over that later on. But the main editing to get it done out of the way, you also feel good. You feel like you've accomplished something, so you're even more inspired to get those B-roll shots and put it all together. The problem is a lot of us uh, have a job and a lot of us work and a lot of us maybe can only shoot for a certain period in the evening before it's bedtime or family time. So then you have to edit the next day. So I suppose just time is a big time suck here. For you, Rob, your job is making videos, which is insanely amazing. So we're not, can't all be vidicures like Rob. So. Yeah, I'm sensing a lot of passive aggressiveness here. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's fine. Not, okay, not, I appreciate that. Not, not even a little bit. I mean, the rest of us have to do like real work, but that's okay. You make your videos. It's fine. <laughs> no, that's why I, I advocate for um, doing things at your pace because um, that's why I, I'll split it up. Like I'll shoot the, the talking head one. And then if I don't have the time or if I need to spend stuff like time with family and stuff, then I'll edit the next day. And then mm -hmm. I'll do the B-roll the following day. I'll do the, well, sorry, the B-roll and then fin the final edit. And then I'll do the upload the next day. So I usually start that process. Like I'll film the talking head on Sunday. And since I split everything up, by the time I'm done, it's like Thursday or Friday. So the video is ready to go either Friday morning or Saturday mm -hmm. morning. I have one final question. It's a short answer though. Uh, for every minute of video content, how long does it take you to do that? And I'll answer first to give you an idea. For me, it takes roughly one hour for every minute. So if I make a 15-minute video mm. in total, and that includes uh, uploading to YouTube and the thumbnails, it's about 15 hours of work. Yeah. So, sounds about right. Yeah, okay. Easily. Yeah, because I, I know I can easily spend, if it's a 10, 12-minute 10, video, it'll easily be anywhere between 12 to you know, 15, 16 hours for each yeah. video. So, yeah. This is why we always say you've got to be super passionate about your channel because it does take lots and lots of work. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to share it with at least one other creator. Let's help each other out so we can all be better at our YouTube game. At the end of the day, we're one happy YouTube creator family. Hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application and I will catch you on the next episode of Chief Talk. Thanks for hanging out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.